Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 543 for the 28th of ER in a regular year. So one time when I was visiting my brother on Shabbos in Passaic, New Jersey, I think I've mentioned that I've visited him and his family before. I was talking to one of my nephews, not the nephew about who came up with Zeno's paradox. Go refer to previous episode for that one. But, uh, this time it was a different nephew and he was pretty young at the time. I want to say he was around like six years old and we were having a conversation about the dynamics of the family. And I was trying to explain to him that, you know, he sees me a lot. I come to visit every so often and he knows me as Auntie Sarid, So I'm his aunt. And so at some point I was trying to explain to him that not only am I his aunt, but I'm actually his father's sister. And not only am I his father's sister, but I'm actually his Bubby's child. And we're both, and his Bubby is my mother. And so I was, it was really funny. It was a really cute conversation, like this whole uh, trying to explain to him the interplay of the family and the, the family map. And he was just floored. He could not grapple with this. He, he couldn't wrap his head around us. How Auntie Sarid, who he knows me as, is also his father's sister. Like this just did not make any sense to him. It was like blowing his mind. It was blowing his world. And he was trying to understand it, how he has brothers and sisters and how his father could also have a brother and a sister. And this incident came to mind when I was learning and thinking about today's Tanya. Because in today's Tanya, we're going to be learning all about how with each descent of God's light and God's Shekhinah, which we've discussed, which is the way that God interacts with the world and relates to the world, that world, which it's found in, can only relate to God on that level and has really no awareness of the level which is above it. So maybe to make this even more relatable, I want you guys to think of a time when you were really young, maybe go back to like the earliest moments in your childhood that you can remember and think about a caregiver. Think about your mother, your father, maybe a grandparent, somebody who you were very close with and see if you can think about what your perception of them was at that time. So let's say like your mother, for example, if that was somebody that you were very close with. So most likely at that time to you, your mother was merely just your mother. You had zero sense of the fact that she had her own identity, that she had her own interests, that she had her own friends, that she had her own mother, (laughs) just like my nephew was having a hard time understanding even that his bubby is my brother's mother. Like even that was kind of like a leap of understanding for him. So when we're young, when we're really little, we see 
adults, we, especially the adults that are close to us in our lives, especially our caretakers, as in this very self-centered way, we see them merely as in terms of their role in terms of us. We don't realize that perhaps they have relationships with other people. Perhaps they have a profession. They, perhaps they have their own relationships with other members of their family that we don't really know. And they have a whole history. Perhaps they were once young like us. Like these things don't occur to us. And it's really hard for us to understand this. So the way that this relates to the Tanya, or at least the theme that I took away from the Tanya for today, is exactly this idea, this idea of God's Shekhinah and what that means in terms of every world. And we know that God's Shekhinah in its highest form is what we call, what we refer to as Malchus of Atsilus. So what that means in simple language is Malchus is the lowest of all the spheres. It's the lowest of all the 10 attributes. It literally means kingship. And Atsilus is the highest of all the worlds. It's that world of emanation, which is kind of like the pristine archetypical world from which everything else comes out of. So what that really means to say is that Shekhinah, when we talk about Shekhinah, when we talk about God's indwelling here in this world, God's relationship with us, the best way to understand this is in terms of relating to God as a king. So just like in the case of caretakers, just like in the case of our mother, our father, our grandparents, whatever it is, as young children, we only saw them as our caretaker and we were incapable of seeing them in this bigger way. That's really how a king works, if you think about it. So if you have a king, you know, or nowadays it's like we don't really have kings in the same way. And even like presidents and everything, we, we know too much about the personal lives of our leaders really to help us respect them. But if you could imagine like a state of like a, a true king, you know, maybe a Rebbe, maybe those of you that had a relationship or have a relationship with the Lubavitcher Rebbe or maybe another Rebbe or, uh, or another mentor that you have, your relationship with them is really this, this kingship about them, this, the regalness. This is how they relate to you. This is your experience of them. You experience them as a king. In spite of the fact that truly this king may have a whole life that is not only about you. So yes, they are able to vest themselves and become a king and totally devote themselves to you 100% so that your entire relationship with them is going to be that of a king. But there's this whole hidden world inside of the king that you know nothing about. Just like when it came to your mother, hopefully, if you had a good upbringing, she was 100% devoted to you. Her whole life was was you, really, or maybe her other children as well. But nevertheless, that doesn't take away from the fact that she had her own inner life. She had a whole world or has a whole world that's really concealed from you. So this is what we're going to be learning about today is about this whole process, about this process of God and, and specifically God's kingship and this attribute of God's kingship and what that means exactly and how it translates and how it descends from world to world and how each world's perception of God's kingship, what that looks like exactly, depending on the world that it's in. So today we're going to talk about this attribute of Hashem's Malchus, specifically in relation to the two higher worlds. So if you recall, we've discussed how there are four general spiritual worlds speaking. There's uh, the world of Atsilis, which is the world of emanation. Then there's the world of Bria, which is the world of creation, it's called. It's also the world of the intellect. Um, then there is the world of 
Yitzira, commonly translated as the world of formation or the world of which is associated with the world of emotions, the emotional uh, manifestation of God's attributes. And then there's the world of Asiya, which is the world that we live in, the lowest of all of the worlds. This is the world of action, which is associated more with action. And this is where ultimately physicality comes to be in the lowest rung, the lowest portion of this world of Asiya. So for today, we're going to talk about this attribute of the Shekhinah that we've been talking about, this malchus, this kingship, this sovereignty aspect, um, as it is mainly uh, manifest and experienced in the world of Bria, but where it's ultimately going to be coming from the world of Attilus. Whereas tomorrow, we're going to go on and we're going to talk about the two lower worlds, the world of Yetzira and the world of Asiya, and how these these manifest this attribute of malchus of the higher world within their world. And the pattern, as we'll see, is that the malchus of the higher world, namely the lowest part of the lowest uh, manifestation of the, of the higher world becomes the highest point of the worlds beneath it, which is referred to as the Kodesh Kadoshim, the holy of holies of the world beneath it. And so again, today we're going to be really focusing on this in relation, uh, in connection between Atsilas, the Malchus of Atsilas, and how this becomes manifest as the Kodesh Kadoshim, the holy of holies of Bria. So let's get into the text and see how the Altar Rebbe explains this. So for context, we are still in the middle of chapter 52 of Likutei Amarim. So the altar of it begins by referencing where we left off last time, how Hashem's wisdom descends from level to level through different worlds, progressively becoming more hidden along the way until it is able to become vested here in our world. So now the altar of it picks up from there and he says that just as this wisdom comes down and, uh, and goes from world to world, so too does the Shekhinah which again, if you recall, the Shekhinah, which is vested within this will and wisdom of God, it descends as well and from world to world. And so now here's some terminology for you guys. You might want to take notes for this, this episode because there's going to be kind of like this like spiritual map that we're drawing up is that this descent of the Shekhinah from world to world, what this is called, this is called Chamber of the Holy of Holies. And we'll learn further what that means. So, and what we're referring to. So then now the Altar Rabbi here quotes the, uh, cites the Zohar and the Yitzchayim, which are two Kabbalistic Sfarim, and which explain that the Shekhinah, another way that we can understand the Shekhinah is that it's Malchus of Atzillus. So what does that mean? So here again, so there's a, there's a few maps that I want you guys to keep in mind. And a lot of this is are things that we've been over before, but I'll just give a really brief review, especially if any of you are like newer listeners. So there's the map of the, the different levels of different types of worlds. So in general, there are four spiritual worlds. There's the world of Atsilus is the highest, the world of Bria below it, then the world of Yetzira, and then the world of Asiya below that, which is the world we live in. In brief, like uh, loosely translated, Atsilus means emanation, Bria, the next one, means creation, Yetzira means formation, and Asiya means action. So those are the four general worlds, and we'll learn that there's actually like a lot of other like sub-worlds within those, like myriads upon myriads of sub-worlds, but those are the general worlds. Within each world are contained what are known as the spheros. The spheros are like the, the spiritual energies, kind of like it's hard to translate exactly like spheres or 
uh, or energies kind of within human being we have 10 energies within us that or 10 attributes that correspond to these 10 energies and those 10 energies are divided into the first three, which are Chochmah Bina Das, those are the intellectual energies or the intellectual attributes. And then there's the six emotive attributes, Chesed, Vorotiferet, Netzachod, and Yisod. And then there's the last one, which is Malchus. And that one is sometimes likened, sometimes put in the category of the emotive attributes, but it's kind of its own thing, as we'll, as we'll see, because it's sort of like the expression of all of them. So Malchus is really all about expression. It's likened to speech because of that. It's sort of like the ultimate manifestation of all these other attributes, which the other ones are a little bit more like inwards and malchus is the most outwards it's the outward expression of all of it malchus literally means kingship or sovereignty so it makes sense in terms of what we were talking about in the introduction that malchus is all about what is what gets revealed what people who relate to it see is that they see king this is what they see they don't see all the inner workings and uh, thoughts and feelings of the king they just see the king in terms of like what how he's relating to them so let's get back to the text so then the altar is here so malchus of Attilus. so again so shechina malchus of Attilus, synonymous so we've been talking a lot about the shechina now we can understand a little bit more what that means and so then the altar says that this aspect saying that it's malchus of Attilus, this means what does this mean when we say malchus of Attilus? it means that it's the revelation of the or in sof baruchu it's the revelation of god's infinite light and the vitality that is that radiates into all the worlds so because god's infinite light is found in itsilus because it's the world of emanation where there's no difference between god and everything else so the revelation of this infinite light the manifestation of that is in the malchus of that world and this is why this it's also called this malchus of itsilus is called dvar hashem which is the word of god or god's speech or it's also called ruach piv so it's also called like the spirit of God, so to speak. The spirit of God's mouth, so to speak. So it's like the words that God's speaking. And then the altar says this is like we can understand this by way of analogy with a person. That when a person speaks, what is speech? Speech, like physical human speech, is we're revealing what it is that we're thinking in a concealed way. So anytime we speak, like right now I'm talking, the only way that I'm able to say these words is because I'm thinking about them on some level inside of my brain. And so now what happens is that you have this malchus of Atsilus, so it's the lowest level of that world, of that highest world of Atsilus. And then this level of malchus of Atsilus, otherwise known as the Shekhinah, becomes vested in what is known as the chamber of holy of holies of the next world, which is Bria. So what is this obscure chamber of holy of holies, the Heichal Kodesh Kedoshim in Hebrew? This is the Chochmah Bina Das of Bria. This is the three intellectual attributes of Bria. This is the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge loosely translated of Bria. And then what happens is that this energy, this, this, uh, these intellectual attributes, these, so this like vestment of the Shechina in the Heichal Kodesh Kedoshim, otherwise known as the, Ch the Chabad of Bria, these then become vested in the Malchus of Bria, which is that lowest level of Bria, right? The kingship of Bria. And from there are created the souls and the angels that are found in Bria, as well as the Talmud, which we know of. So when we study Talmud down here, this Talmud originates in this Malchus of Bria, within which is vested the Chabad of Bria, which 
is coming from the Malchus of Attilus, if that makes sense. So it's like this, you can try to keep that map in mind. Again, sometimes it might be useful. I actually drew a little like chart for myself as I was preparing for this class to see the flow of how this all works. And then the ultra says that this is explained in the Tikkunim, how it is that the that uh, that the Talmud comes from this place of Malchus of Bria. So why is it? Why that, that sounds kind of random. It's like the Talmud comes from there. Why? So the Tikkunim explains that the idea, the world of Bria, what happens in the world of Bria is that that is the place where the radiance, there's a radiance and there's an influx of the Chochmah, Bina, and Das of the Ein Sof of God by way of a great symptom, a great, great, great contraction in order so that the souls and the angels that are there that are finite and that are limited in scope, they can receive so that they can receive this influence in a way of Chachma Bina and Das. So basically it's like the way to understand this is that each world sort of has its like specialty. It's like sort of like this is the place where this part of God right radiates, this aspect of God radiates. So the world of Bria is the place where the radiance of God's Chabad, God's intellect, is revealed, is radiates, albeit in a very, very constricted play, place. And that's why, continues the Ultra Rebbe, this is why the Talmud comes from there. Because the Talmud also relates to this idea of the Chochmah Binadas, of the Chabad. Why? Because what is the Talmud? The Talmud is the reasons behind the Halachos. So when we learn different like Jewish law, like for those of you that have ever study Talmud even a little bit or you know had a sense of what it's all about the Talmud is all about this like back and forth of trying to understand Jewish law trying to understand the reasons behind them trying to understand what's going on you know really understanding the reasons behind the mitzvahs behind the Jewish law and so this idea of the reasons understanding reasons this is an intellectual pursuit so this is the aspect of Chochmah, Bina and Das this is the aspect of the Chabad by contrast, if we actually look at the Jewish laws themselves, those are not intellectual aspects. Like it's not like law, like just like the, the bare bones halacha. There's nothing intellectual about it. It just like is what it is, right? So where does that come from? The halachos come from the midos of Hashem, from the the emotive attributes of God, of the Ein Sof which are chesed, din, rachamim. So again, so we talked about uh Chesed, so the manifestation of these in terms of like emotive attributes and the way they get expressed is through kindness, chesed, din, severity, mercy, rachamim. And so this is why, like what, what is this all about? What, how, why do, how do we see that the halachas come from this em, more emotive kind of place? Because we see that actually, you know, what is, what are halachas? What are they all about? They're all about saying, this is permissible. This is forbidden. This is kosher. This is possible, like not allowed. This, uh, this person is chayav to do a mitzvah. This person is patur from doing a mitzvah, like they're obligated and held accountable for doing mitzvah, or in some cases, we're not held accountable for doing mitzvah, and we, we kind of, there's a loophole, where we, we don't actually have to do it. Um, all those different laws, you know, so if you think about it, it makes sense that the halachos come from this more emotional space of like, 
more giving, like more being permissible kind of thing. And yes, it's allowed versus saying, no, 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 it's not allowed and like holding back. So that's why the the halachas come from this place. And then the altar says that this is what is written. This is explained in the Tikkunim, in the Tikkunim Zohar. So that's the end of the section for today. And tomorrow we're going to continue along these lines when we explore how this chain of events, this map, so to speak, continues through the lower world of Yitzira and Asiyah. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.